What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Keep It Posy podcast. My name is Jasmine, and this is episode 41. Before I get into this week's guest, I want to introduce you to this week's nonprofit organization being featured in the Posy Spotlight. Pasadena Humane provides animal care and services for homeless and owned animals in the greater Los Angeles area. For more than 117 years, Pasadena Humane has promoted compassion and care for all animals through life-saving programs and services to the community that support the human-animal bond and keep pets healthy and safe. In the last five years, Pasadena Humane has adopted progressive shelter practices focused on increasing adoptions, saving the lives of more animals, and helping guardians keep their pets. If you would like to learn more or make a donation to Pasadena Humane, you can visit PasadenaHumane.org. This week's episode features my friend Eddie. Eddie is one of the lip sync artists for South Park, where he has been at for the last 10 years. Prior to moving into his current role, Eddie worked in radio at the world-famous K-Rock. In this conversation, Eddie and I talked about his career, his favorite events he worked while working in radio, Coachella, and more. Here's my conversation with Eddie on the Keep It Posy podcast. So how are you, dude, besides all, all the stuff going on? I, I'm good. Just here, chilling, waiting, waiting for work to start up again. How, how long? Okay, because you've been working at Comedy Central for South Park. Yeah. For how well, long? Well, I, I work for South. I work for South Park, and then it's on Comedy Central. Uh it's going to be 10 years. Oh, you know what? I just celebrated my 10-year anniversary on the 1st of this month. April 1st was my, my hire date 10 years ago. Dude, congratulations. That's sick. Thank you. And it's crazy because I'm like, 10 years ago, that's like, you know, I was at Kirok for like six. And then it's like, man, <laughs> 10 years. I can't believe it's already a decade. Dude, I know. Time goes by fast. Hell Yeah. So I'm I'm curious to find out how you ended up there because <laughs> I know because you that's you know one part of entertainment and you were in yeah. radio before that but were you involved in other parts of entertainment aside from South no. Park and K Rock? No, 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 no. Uh, so I, I went to school. My my major was communications. Uh, you know, and then I went to like a. I don't even know if it exists, but I ended up quitting. It was like a little trade school called the Academy of Radio Broadcasting in like Huntington Beach. And I thought it was cool back then because I'm like, oh, you know, they teach you all this stuff hands on. And then, you know, but once I got there, I, like three months into the, the the whole course, I'm like, uh, this is kind of suspect, you know, like I had to get a federal loan out. And then like I wasn't learning anything. Like everything was like old school, like you got to splice the tracks. Like it was, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, this is weird. Uh, no, so then I got, I got hired as a van driver at K-Rock and then just, you know, in promotions and then stayed in promotions. And then from there I jumped to, to television, to South Park. I mean, I've, I've, I've always wanted to, you know, 
to be a writer too. So that's the ultimate goal. So obviously this is a big stepping stone for me, but I've always said, you know, like I'll, I'll be there. I'll be here until they don't need me anymore. So yeah, 10 years later, I'm still here. So, <laughs> wow, uh, but yeah, no, that, that's it. That's how the transition went. It went from, you know, uh, radio, but you know, the, the radio was more of the marketing and promotion side the producing concerts, stuff like that. And then this is more technical, you know, behind the scenes, uh, animation type, you know, so. So <laughs> you, you went to school for communications. Yes. And how did you end up at K-Rock? So, uh, you know, a backstory. So like I was, I went to, I went to JC and then was going to transfer to a four year. I was doing the long, the long run just to help out my parents. You know, I saw that they were struggling. Um, you know, my dad was, my dad was a truck driver and then my mom had a, you know, warehouse job, but her, her, her money went more to like, you know, she didn't have to work. My dad made enough money for, for all of us, but you know, it was just extra. My mom's always been very like, uh, she always planned for the future, like in case of emergencies, like anything like that. So that's why she worked. And then also, I don't think like, she, like I, I don't think my mom has never had a job until finally, you know, the, the state was like, okay, you're deemed disabled. So you cannot, so she gets her fixed income. And man, that was a, you know, I had a fight with her. She's all trying to work for another different name. Like, I'm not, no, like, that's not how, like, you're dis, you're disabled, you know, like, but, uh, so I was going to school for that. And then I had a job. Unfortunately, my parents got divorced. I had to get a full-time job. Started working at the staff agency and then moved up quick there. So I think I was like 22, 23 as an on-site manager. You know, I, I managed the whole warehouse, recruiting people, you know, temps and stuff like that. And uh, I don't know. Like, I mean, I've always, like my goal, I remember just since I was in high school, like I wanted to work at K-Rock. Like I didn't care if I was like the janitor or whatever. You know what I mean? Like I would go, that's my goal. Like I want to be there. So back then, there used to be, I think, I think it started like in 99. That's when I was a senior in high school. Uh, there was a, a, web, a website called monsters.com. And I saw that there was an ad for a van driver. And I was like, you know what? It's a sign, right? And I go, I'm just going to apply. And if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And I did. You know, I mean, I knew how to interview. I mean, I was the one doing interviews for people. So I knew what to say, you know, exactly what to say and how to ace the interview. And, uh. Yeah, that's how, excuse me, that's how basically it went down. I mean, it was a different, uh, obviously, like, pay structure. Like, I took basically, like, a 50% pay cut from what I was making as at the staffing agency. But, you know, it's what I wanted to do. And somehow I still managed to do it. You know, I was able to um, pay my bills and, you know, and stuff like that. Like, I, I never relied on my parents or anything like that. So, I was, I was, you know, I was independent since I was at a young age. So, like, it, yeah, it, it somehow worked out, and that was it. So, I'm like, I guess it was meant to be then, to be about K-Rock. <laughs> what, what was it about K-Rock that made you say, I want to work there? Uh, I just think, the, I, mean, I, back, I mean, I'm still into that type of music, but, I mean, in high school, like, I was really into, like, rock alternative, you know, No <laughs> Doubt, Big 182, uh, Alanis Morissette. Yes, and, uh, dude. Lincoln Park. I mean, like, just all, you know, all those all those dope bands. You know, that, that's what I. That was my adult. You know, my teenage years or whatever. So it was just like, and just listening to like the honor personalities. You know what I mean? Like Kevin and Bean. I used to listen to like every morning. 
And even like, you know, because I went to high school in Fontana, so like, I would barely get, you know, K Rock out there. Uh, I had a, a good buddy of mine, Bobby. Uh, he, uh, he would always like uh, win tickets to like Acoustic and Weenie Rose, but he would be in the school parking lot in our, our teacher's car because that's the only way he could hear. And then he would like, you know, call or whatever. Like, <laughs> like it was crazy how like he would do it. Like he was a hardcore fan. You know, I, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but like growing up, I would go through phases of different radio stations, you know. And, but K-Rock was always a consistent. Like, I, it was always one of, like, I would never, you know, I'm never not going to stop listening to it. So you never. got hired after college at K-Rock. Yeah. I got hired. Let me see. I was about to, how old was I? I was about to turn 25. I was 24. I'm all doing the math. 2006, I was hired. So, yeah, I was 24. So I got hired in 2006. 2005, 2006. The world famous K Rock is known for yeah. Weenie Rose, almost acoustic Christmas. Yeah. Um, eventually, it, it was April Foolishness. I get, I get what you mean when you talk about in high school because it's yeah. like, especially during that time when we didn't have Spotify and YouTube and all these other yeah. things, right? What were some of your favorite events? What stands out from your time there? Uh, you know what, my, I mean, cause eventually I moved up to, to be the marketing director's assistant. And at that time it was Amy Stevens. Uh, so, you know, I wasn't just her assistant there at the office. I was sort of like her personal assistant as well. Like, you know, uh, but I would have to say the, like my first Winnie Rose, like it was just the trip, like doing the ticketing, like all the wings, like the Winnie Rose and, and acoustic were, were my favorite, both of them because it was really busy. You know what I mean? And like. Well, those shows weren't on. Not that I wasn't busy. It just wasn't as busy. Uh, but I just loved, you know, just the adrenaline and dealing with all the, you know, crazy hiccups. Because, you know, as, as much as you plan something, something always pops up. Like, and, that can, and that goes for across anything. Like, it can be a birthday party. It can be a baby shower. It can be whatever. You always run into some sort of obstacle. So just imagine, you know, multiply that by thousands of people instead of, you know, a guest list of 200 or less than that or you know i don't know uh but those are my favorite i you know honestly i never really got to work on april foolishness i think i was on my way out mm -hmm. and it wasn't a bit it wasn't an, an event as big as like weenie roast or in my opinion it was weenie roast or acoustic as far as like you know dealing with bands and record labels and management and stuff like that like it was basically the comedians maybe their manager a lot of these comedians they they self you know they work for, you know, they work for themselves. Like they, so they don't have people, quote unquote, people to deal with. Uh, but yeah, I would have to say both Weenie and, I mean, acoustic was double, you know, cause it's two nights. Weenie Rose was just one, one night. So yeah, those were the best times. <laughs> when was the first time you were watching a band because of K-Rock and you're just like, I can't believe I'm watching this band. I can't believe I'm working an event that this band is yeah. playing. Okay, I would have to say uh, the last. So uh, K-Rock also used to do uh, Inland Invasion. And they would do it out over here, you know, in the IE. Uh, I was fortunate to work the last one. Because I think after that, they did one more and then that was it. They, because of... Uh, 
Inland Invasion, I believe, was not a charity event. Winnie Rose and Acoustic were. So Inland Invasion, the station was the one producing it. So that was more money. You know what I mean? Like that's money to pay the bands and everything and whatnot. So I wanted to see it was the last Inland Invasion because that's when I got hooked on to Muse. Like Muse, I think, was barely up and coming. Or at least for me, like I had never realized who Muse was. And so just to see them out there. And the thing is, we had a rule. I mean, because I was technically working, like I had to still be in the production office. Uh, Amy had this rule, like, you know, you can go, or I, I don't think it was, I don't think it was Amy's rule. I think it was just a, a general rule. Like you can see three songs tops of like whatever, you know, of one of your bands. So you, you, we couldn't stay there for a whole set. Uh, so obviously that, and then I had never, okay, so I kind of grew up sheltered. You know, my parents had me on check. Which, which is odd now because if you know me, like you know, everyone's like, "Oh, hey, he's a crazy partier," like whatever. I'm like, "Yeah," because I wasn't, <laughs> I was deprived as a child. Damn it, you know <laughs> that's why I'm living my best life now because I'm an adult. But um, I got to go to Coachella, like my first Coachella. You know, just being out there working it. Uh, luckily, like when I got hired, you know, uh, a lot of the a lot of the guys there, I clicked immediately, like Super Steve and. And, you know, people like that, and they they kind of, like, helped me out. You know what I mean? Like, as a new guy, like, it was kind of cool that they, that they you know, because sometimes the, any place you go when you're the new person, they kind of don't just accept you right away. You know, they kind of try to test you out and see what's up. But, uh, yeah, Steve, Super Steve was like, dude, work the second shift because you get the option to work a first shift or a second shift at Coachella. And he's like, work the second shift because it's hot as F. And you know, and it's just better. And so yeah, so I was yeah, I would have to say it was Coachella, like that was like mind blowing. And then I you know was able to go there for like the past well, I mean I didn't go the last one because I had kidney stones, but I was still privileged enough to, you know, because I met people through Golden Voice and stuff like that. So I was still able to go and attend uh, you know, these past since I you know, since I've been at Kira or since I had started Kira and then even left. So yeah, yeah, Coachella was like eye <laughs> eye opening for me. Dude, now I know what you mean. What have been some of your favorite Coachella acts? Let's see, uh, Prince for sure. I would say Prince would have to be the on the top of my list. Uh, Prince, Muse, who else? I got. I was fortunate to see Madonna when she played like the dance tent. And that was crazy because, you know, you would think she'd be on a main stage and to see people, I mean, like, I, I, I wasn't even near the tent. Like, that's how many people were just watching her. And so I had to be in the back. And then plus, I mean, when I say back, like, I was basically, like, at the K-Rock tent. Like, it was not that far from where, like, K-Rock would post up. Oh, yeah, dude, my it was, like, God, insane. dude. But to just to see her, like, you know, on stage and then, like, uh, you know, again, three songs tops, and then boom, I gotta go back to the tent. Uh, Muse for sure, and who else? There's oh, um, Empire of the Sun. That's when I got into them because, like, I was like, who are these crazy dudes dressed like this and like with this awesome music? And like, ever since then, I got Empire of the Sun. And this was Empire of the Sun before their song started getting. That yeah, commercial yeah, yeah. Play, this right? is like they were up. Yeah, this up was like coming. years ago. Yes, yes. This is. Ooh, yeah. This is way long time ago. Dang, who are, you know? And then like, uh, I I didn't get to see her, but like you know, when Amy Winehouse was up and coming, 
you know, a lot of people saw her. I didn't get to see her. Uh, I did get to see Lily Allen for sure. And then, but that, again, this is like when they were up and coming, you know, this is like, like, it, it was crazy how like, you know, Coachella would kind of launch a lot of these, a lot of these artists' careers. Um, as opposed to now, like I think most of the artists that they've been booking these last couple of years are already established and, you know, don't need the extra push. So yeah, I would have to say those for sure. So when was the first time you went to Coachella? Uh, that, yeah, my 2006, when I first got hired, cause I got hired in April. So Coachella was right around, was right around the corner. Uh, yeah, it, no, no, I got hired in March. Yeah, at, at K-Rock, I was hired on, I remember it was March 15th, because I was like, oh, beware the Ides of March, you know, because I'm a stupid history nerd. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, and then South Park was April 1st, because I'm like, wait, is this a joke? Like, is this really happening right now? Like, <laughs> So at the time, there wasn't the K-Rock uh, party house yet, right? No, no. That this came later? Like, way later. This was pre, like... I mean, now I think like what you have to get a wristband. It's an RF scanner type of thing. Uh, back then, <laughs> like uh, it was like tickets, like physical tickets, hard copy to hard tickets, and then like the VIP was basically like a wrist, like a shiny wristband or bracelet that you can buy like at Party City or like down at the Santi Alleys and you know in downtown LA or whatever, like. Like, it wasn't nothing special. Like, that, that was it. And now, you know, it's super fancy. You got to, like, register your, your bracelet. And, you know, it's RF scanner. And they've gotten better over time. Because I remember the first time, like, just, like, you can't put it in the water. And, like, you know, so it's hot. You're in the desert. So everyone's in the pool with, like, one hand up. You know, because, like, mm -hmm. they can't submerge, the, they can't submerge the, the, the wristband underwater. And, like, you got to be careful when you shower. But now a lot better so you don't have to worry about stuff like that like yeah that was it was, cra it was crazy like it was how how it's transformed or like uh not transformed but what's the word how it is now you know how it's come to like it's back then you wouldn't even like recognize it like it was way simpler i mean it, you know it was it was more chill as as it, as it is now you know and then that changed with i think the art all that the, the three-day, you know, you have to buy a three-day ticket now changed because, like, you know, a lot of people wouldn't stay for Sunday. A lot of people had to go to work, which was my like, my case, too. I remember, like, when Rage Against the Machine performed, they they headlined on Sunday, and, like, I literally stayed for, like, three songs, and I'm like, all right, guys, I got to go back to L.A. because I had to open the office Monday morning, you know, mm -hmm. so it was just, it was great. Yeah, and, well, I remember that, that was probably, that was an experience, too. Cause like just to see the sea of people and I have videos somewhere. I would, I think it's on my old like uh, desktop computer, but I just remember recording on a digital camera and like, should you, you like, it just looked like water. All those people, they, mm. it was crazy. And I, and I get claustrophobic. Like I like, so I was like up like on the VIP section. Like, okay, I'm out. No, I gotta go. I can't. No, no, no. I remember I told the crew, I was all like, y'all, cause you know, rage is very political and stuff like that. I'm like, man, I go, if you see my fat ass running down the field, leave everything and just follow me because I don't run on purpose. You know, like I run when I have to. So if you just see me, because I'm not warning nobody, I'm out. I am out. <laughs> I'm the first one gone. <laughs> so, wow, dude, that's crazy. 
Yeah, I remember that year they when they played. Yeah. I was trying to go. I was a senior in high school. Oh wow. And I just remember like that lineup though was just like, dude, I want to go. But then I didn't go because of course it sold out fast. And yeah, that was the first yeah, that was the first three day uh show. You know, like the first time it became a three day show instead of a, a two day show. Yeah, dude. And then my first year that I went was the last year before they started doing it for two weekends. I oh. went in, yeah, my first year was in 2011. And I guess they realized, oh, wow, this sold out, like, really fast. But hands down, though, like, I'm glad that I ended up going the first time. But, yeah, dude, it was awesome. So you're, you're, um, you're at K-Rock. And then, how did you end up at South Park? Amy, who was my, you know, immediate boss, uh, she is friends, is still friends with my current boss now, executive producer Frank Agnoni. And so Frank and I, we always had an email like friendship. I had never really got to meet him, but like you know, if whatever Amy, he requested from Amy, and you know, she was like, hey, you know, Eddie will handle it, you know, or hit up Eddie. So when Amy was leaving, he got the invite for her going away party, and he hit me up. He wanted, like, a cheeseman, right? He was like, yo, what's going on, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, she got a new gig, you know? Like, she's moving to New York. And then I took it. I was like, this is my opportunity. And I was like, yo. And I just, I felt comfortable because we had, like I said, we had this email friendship or whatever that I felt comfortable enough to ask them and be like, hey, like, if you have any positions available, like, let me know. And he's like, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Then, so, like, we would always try to link up during the shows, but it was just hard. Like, um, you know, acoustic used to be at, at the Gibson Amphitheater, which is now Hogsworth, Hogsworth in, uh, at Universal Studios. So reception there sucks. Like, you know, like cell phone, anything like that. It just, unless you're like on the Wi-Fi and stuff like that. And plus I'm working and I'm on the walkie talkie, you know, I got an earpiece. And so it was hard to link up with them. And so like, finally, I think, I think right when he was going to like, uh, when we already were talking and like, and I remember, Oh, we're walking backstage and like a tonto, I slip and we're walking down the stairs and I just eat shit. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, great. I go, this guy, I'm trying to have this guy hire me. And he's like, this you know, is borracho. You know, I'm like, Oh man, I felt so embarrassed. I'm like, it was so embarrassing for me. I was all like, Oh my God. But you know, he's cool. He's like, he's super dope. Chill, like we. I mean, he's. I mean, he's, uh, besides Amy, like he's one of like, he's the second best boss I've ever like ever had because like he tells it like it is, and, and I think that I learned a lot working under Amy because Amy was like cut the BS, you know what I mean? Like get straight to the point and let's fix it. And so I, you know, I was young. I was twenty four. I was twenty five, and like that. Until this day, and that's what I use that not only in my professional life, but in my personal life. I'm like, whatever you gotta tell me. Just get to the point, and then we'll fix it. Don't be like, well, you know, what had happened was, nah, 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 Because already I'm angry. Like, you know, just get to the point. So Amy gave me a lot of, uh, gave me a lot of, like, uh, she left me doing stuff on my own, you know, so I can learn. And so I would only go to her when, like, I couldn't figure it out. Like, when I was at the, my last resource, and, you know, and I think in my entire career working for her, Probably twice I ever had to come to her to be like, hey, Sasuke, <laughs> I messed up. How do we fix this? And then she's like, boom, 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 fix. That's it, you know? She's like, don't let it happen again. 
perfect. But yeah, uh, it it was yeah. <laughs> so wait, how did you? <laughs> Sorry, I, know, I forgot the message. I went on a rant and I forgot the message. <laughs> I should probably I should probably write that. Oh, so anyway, so that's how Frank. Anyways, I learned that from Frank. So then Frank hired me, and it and it took a year. It actually took a year, and um. A lot of people were like, you should apply for Amy's position. And I'm like, nah. They're like, you'd be perfect under her. And I was like, no, like, I'm not mature enough to, like, do what, what she does. Like, there's no way. Like, I would be setting myself up. Like, I would get fired within the week. Because of a lot, you know, there's a lot of egos and attitudes to deal with. And, you know, I, I'm pretty temperamental. I, I try, I hold it down. But, like, you know, some people, you know, they just like to mess with you so anyways uh yeah it took a year i hit up frank frank's like all right cool I'll, I'll let you know for sure but he was going through some personal stuff and then like a year later like so then i basically got put back on the streets like i became a van driver again you know because obviously the they ended up giving the job to aisa and chuck they split the marketing director position to both of them and then chuck's like what do you want to do and i was like bro fire me like as <laughs> i can collect unemployment so anyways, he put me back on the streets and then uh yeah, Frank, you know, I kept in touch with Frank, but he would keep in touch with me too. He'd, you know, uh, he'd be like, hey, man, I haven't forgotten about you, yada, yada, yada. And so finally, boom, uh, he's like, come in, you know, come in for the interview. And he uh, explained to me two different positions. Uh, one was the lip sync position that I have now. And then the second was just the standard, like, production assistant. And so he, he gave me the, the rundown on both positions. And then he, he's like, all right, I'm going to talk to you as a friend. And he's like, take, take the lip sync. He's like, it's more, it'll be better for your career in the end. You'll learn more. And then I was like, all right, I, I trust you. You know, like, you're, I, I, I don't see why you would lead me down the wrong path. And so, yeah, 10 years later, I'm still, <laughs> I'm still there working for him. Wow, but dude. Was, yeah, so Amy and him were friends. So te technically networking, it's, you know, it's like the, the saying goes, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah, and maintaining those relationships that, those yeah oh yes that's very important like i think a lot of people forget about that I'll, you know and there's a lot of like past coworkers as well that they still to this day like you know they don't understand how i'm still in touch with a lot of people i'm like because like i it wasn't based on just business like it was actual uh, friendship you know what i mean like if somebody's like yo i need help moving i'm like well i'm free between this hour and this hour you got me for three hours or you know what i mean like it wasn't just it was like i would make the effort and to me you know to me effort is very attractive and it, and it means a lot like if someone's showing me effort then yes i will meet them halfway i'll do whatever i have to do you know in order to maintain that relationship or whatever um but yeah that was it you know and frank and i we clicked and we and like i said we still do um he's you know he's not only my boss now but like he's one of one of my good friends as well um you know he knows like my family you know like you know same thing with amy like amy met my cousins and and stuff like that so it doesn't you know you get past that uh employer employee relationship you, you kind of become a family you know i always wanted to work there so i'm gonna do whatever i have to do even if i have to compromise certain work aspects or whatever you know i mean obviously i would never compromise my integrity or stuff like that but like you know i mean i'm not gonna let somebody just come in and and i'm not gonna quit you know what i mean like i, I worked hard to get where i was at even if it, it meant nothing to anybody else like you know like my mom didn't understand oh my poor mom we got into it big time because she did not get it you know and it's understandable she's you know immigrant 
she thought I already made it being a, a warehouse supervisor, you know, because that's all she knew. She always knew working labor. And so for her, to, I don't know, like, and so she didn't get it. She didn't understand. Like, I, I, to this day, like, I actually barely showed her since I'm working from home. I think it was like a couple, like uh, January or maybe early February. Uh, she came over and since, you know, my, my equipment's here in the living room, I showed her, like, you know, this is what I do. This mom, this is what I, you know, and she still was like, you know, cool story, like whatever. You know? Like, I go, mom, like my name is on TV. Does that not, does that not do anything? Like, you know, I shared Emmy with the guys. Like, I have a whole plaque that they gave us for uh, one of the episodes that we won the Emmy for. I go, does that not like, you know? She's like, no, you know. She, she's just like, cool. As long as long as you're working, you know, that's all I care. Wow, dude, that's crazy. So, you end up doing stuff and you're at South Park now. Yes. Can you explain what exactly lip sync entails? Uh so lip sync is basically a fancy name for an assistant animator. So what so we have a whole animation department and there, you know and then there's technical directors and there were lip sync. So what we do what and there's uh four of us that yeah there's four or five there's six of us in my department two supervisors and then four you know workers or whatever um so what we do matt and trey will voice the characters because they do most of, they do majority of the voices uh and then we have uh, you know uh female voice actors that come and do some of the female uh characters but the, but it's mostly them all the voices it's mostly matt and trey but uh, so what we do, we hear it, we get the storyboard, and then we divide the, the work between the four of us. And so we're basically listening, and the program we use is called Maya. It's on, uh, it's Apple. And uh, yeah, so we listen, and we have to basically key and make the mouth formation as we hear the audio. So that's the, so it's animation, but it's, we just do the mouth. Like, that is it. Like, we don't do anything else. Uh, and then when special characters, we do also too, like, uh, the mouth movement for them, like the crab people, uh, the Canadians, the Canadians is a little bit more tedious cause it's, it is a more technical aspect cause we have to, you know, the way they speak, they speak from left to right, their head rises up a little bit. So, you know, there's, there's certain like, uh, rules that we have to use. Um, but that yeah, so basically we're we're just you know, assistant animators because a lot of people don't understand, you know, they don't really get it. But uh, they're, they're like lip sync artists, like what are you, Britney Spears? Like what are you doing? Like you know, <laughs> it's just like no, it's like this is what it is. But it, we all work as a team, you know what I mean? Like it, it's crazy. It, it's when I first started, I was like, whoa, like you know, you hear about it, like oh, teamwork, this, this, that. No, like we legit, like it, it is a well oiled machine. Boom, 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 boom. So we'll do that. We create. When we do the mouth movement, it's called a curve. And so that's what we create. So like if it's Cartman and he's speaking, we'll save it as the scene number under Cartman. And then once animation's done with the entire scene, like the background and everything, it comes back to us. And then we import whatever curves need to be in that particular scene. And then we ship it back to animation and then they finish it. And it goes into editing, and yeah, it's it's a crazy like process. I I think right now if uh, HBO Max, they have our documentary called Six Days, 
and I had just started working there. And so I remember like they were asking me and I was all like, I, this is my first day. Like, I don't even know what I'm doing. Like, <laughs> so, wow. Yeah, I, I'm like, by, I, have, I, I remember, I mean, it came out a while ago, but I, I just seen it the other day on HBO Max. Um, I should probably check it out because you probably see my big head somewhere walking by. But yeah, they, I, I just remember they're trying to like interview me and I was like, no, <laughs> like, I don't, like, I don't know what, like they're training me today. Like, I do not know what I'm doing. And I don't, like, I didn't have experience in, in that, you know, like, I'm just good at a very computer savvy and, you know, I fake it till you make it. <laughs> wow, dude, that's crazy. How long does it take for you to do an episode? So it takes us, well, that's why the documentary is called Six Days. So pre-pandemic, it, t- it would take us exactly six days. So our work week, is normally Friday through Tuesday. So, uh, you know, Matt and Trey, the writers, they're writing the episode. And then it, and it's as you go. Like our, our, I mean, our schedule, I mean, my schedule, we, I mean, we all work like crazy hours, like, you know, 12, 14 shifts, 14 hour shifts. Every Tuesday would be a 24 hour shift because the show normally airs on Wednesdays. So like, you know, any last minute changes and stuff like that. So it takes it takes six days to make one episode, and I think that's what keeps South Park so relevant still, because any current events, you know, they're able to rewrite and just you know, and we can integrate it um, into into the episode. Uh, so yeah, it takes it takes six days for a normal a normal thirty minute episode, uh, but right now with the pandemic, since we're doing one hour specials. And, you know, we just did the March 10th. We did the second one. Um, that, that you know, took us about maybe two months. But that's because, you know, everyone's working from home. And, and it's not as fast because, like, you know, everyone's data is different. And, and to get, you know, to get uploaded to the, you know, to the servers. And, like, and we're all scattered around. You know, there's people living in Georgia. I think one of the IT guys is, is also out of state. So like it's it's trippy, you know. It take and, and and again, like you know, it's a still learning process because everyone's working from home, so it's no one's used to it. Uh, so yeah, so pre-pandemic six days, and then now, uh, about a month, maybe two. Wow, dude, that's crazy. Uh, it's just crazy how when you're a kid, you don't realize all the work that it takes to do something like that. Oh no, for sure. And like, the amount I mean, of people it, I, too. Yeah, I'm still. I mean, it, it's it's still. You know what I mean? Like I trip out every now and then. Like I'll catch an old episode on, on TV or whatever, and you know, and I'm just like, y'all, you know, I, I'm by myself and I'm just reflecting, you know, about life and everything. And I'm like, dude, my name's on TV. Like, who would have ever thought that that would be? You know, I mean, obviously, like I said, I, I my ultimate goal is to become a writer, but. Still, like it's still it's still crazy, like, and like, I don't know, maybe because I'm more humble about it, and and honestly, like too, like even when I worked at K Rock, I, I didn't, I, I never like to tell people where I worked at, especially like in the radio industry, because you know there's just people trying to get hookups for whatever, you know, and so like I have I have a friend that she would all every time like, you know, she would introduce me to people, and she's like, oh, Ed Blizzard, you worked at K Rock, and I'm like, don't tell them that. Or, <laughs> <laughs> and because even now, like even now, like I'll meet you people, and I'm like, hey, you know, like, oh, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I work for you know a company, uh, doing technical stuff, like you know, like that. Uh-huh. And it's just like I, you know, I just I don't know, I just never, I don't know. 
I kind of, I, I don't know. It's just, I, I don't know. No, man, it's just not me. It's not me to be like, yeah, no, this is me. This is like, like, no, that, I got a job. And to me, you know, I mean, um, obviously it's a dope ass job, but like, I'm not, I've never been one to brag because I've always believed like those that do do and those that don't brag. And like, you know, you always meet these people like, well, I do this and I do that. It's like, cool, been there, done that, bro. Like, <laughs> it's like, oh, cool story, man. Like, all right. Dude, so. that's sick, dude. Uh, do you have a favorite character? I would have to say Butters is my favorite character. Just because he's like, you know, he has that little sudden twang. Um, and then we did an episode a couple of seasons ago where two of the, two of the uh, other side characters, Craig and Tweak, kind of became like the first gay couple. So then they became... Kind of my favorite, and, and and more Craig because Craig is very monotone and like he's but you know just the way his voice is and like and he's low sarcastic so he kind of reminds me of me, uh but yeah Butters Butters is my favorite for sure it's just like the stuff he has to go through, or the you know that they put him through, um, uh yeah they I would have to say he's definitely my favorite and then, I mean obviously Tally, because he's a big old piehead but. <laughs> That's sick, dude. That is so cool. Um, wow, that's awesome. Wow. That's a really cool <laughs> story, dude. That's so cool. So you had no experience in what you do now prior to starting? No, no. No experience whatsoever. I mean, again, I've, I've always been very computer savvy. I mean, at one point, well, my high school taught uh, like C++, like computer programming. Mm-hmm. And uh, I learned a little bit, but like just the, like the, all that coding was just too much for me. And, and I couldn't, you know, and, and people in IT, like they make like good money. Like I'm talking about six figures, you know, stuff like that. But like I could never like, I don't know. I don't know if it was because it was it was the same thing. And see, that's what I lo- That's what I loved about um working working at k-rock and then working at south park because it's never every day is different mm-hmm. it's not the same. i mean yes we i do the same thing but like stuff happens and it, and it changes so i think that's why i've been there for so long and why it excel because i need change i can't like i can't do the same thing over and over and over again like it's just not it, I, I just don't work that way and you know and a lot of people do like there's a lot of people that do data entry you know, or accounting that because I, you know, going to college, I did, I did a lot of side jobs, temp jobs. And like, I remember being in accounts payable and it's just like, or accounts receivable. And I'm like, this is boring. Like, ugh. like I need some excitement in my life. But yeah, I, I mean, uh, all our software is Apple. It's Macintosh or Mac or whatever. Uh, we use a program called Maya. Uh, and honestly, like I try to mess with Maya and, but I just know what I know. That's it. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know anything else beyond that because there's just so many things to do. And I believe um, uh, Disney's uh, Moana, they made made it on the same software. that, And I was like, oh, we can do like some 3D stuff? I thought it was all like 2D, you know, like what we do. But but I'm like, yeah, see, that's that's some like super animation. Obviously, that's someone I would have to take a class or go to school to learn, you know, all the, the different aspects of that. Um but yeah, no, no experience. It, I mean, and it was quite easy. Like, it took me a while to get the hang of it. Uh, but eventually, you know, once, when, you know, once you start doing it, it becomes second nature. Like, there's, 
if it's a small scene, there's I don't even have to like really look at the computer screen. I can just be doing it just out of you know just memory or knowing exactly where it's at. But we double check our work, obviously, and like um, and then we you know when edit when it goes to editing, they also check the work and stuff like that. But in the beginning, like yeah, I ooh, I was bad. <laughs> They're like yeah, so he has to do this again. Dude, that is so crazy, man. That is so cool, though. You were you learned quick, and that's why you know you're. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And take notes. Yeah, I'm more of a. Uh, I have to like write stuff down. Like uh, you know, a lot of people are are visual, but I need. I mean, while well, I'm getting older, like I need to write stuff down. Mm-hmm. Hence, earlier where I forgot the question, like I just bantered off. Uh, I you know, I need to write stuff down in order to for me to remember. And there's a lot of that too. Like if it's a long scene, um, you know, again, everything has to be a sequence. And, and sometimes I forget. It's like, oh man, that's something I have to go. Instead of me scrolling back to the beginning of the scene, I just write it down on a piece of paper, and I'm like, okay, the next. This is what the next character. This is where I'm at. And like you know, and I just take it from there. Dude, sick. How do you keep it posy? Uh, you know what? Uh, that's a good question because I am ex- uh, currently learning how to do that. Uh, me personally, I'm an overthinker. I've always been an overthinker. And it's easier for me to go to the negative side of things. Or uh, just because my luck and just how like, my life has been, I always expect the worst, you know, and... Uh, so I'm, I've been learning to not do that. So what, I, I've, what I've been doing now is I wake up in the morning and I'm just grateful. I'm grateful for the things that I do have because, yeah, you know, we can all, we, we can be our worst, our worst enemy and our mind, you know, our, <laughs> our mind can just drift off and drift off. But I've been learning to wake up every morning with gratitude, being grateful for the things I do have and I always put myself in other people's shoes, you know, because like it could be a lot worse. It could totally be a lot worse. And so uh, it's just waking up, being grateful, uh, manifesting good things. When I do start venturing to the dark side, I quickly like, no, no, I get that out of my head. And I start thinking, you know, good times with friends or with a certain someone or whatever. And, and then I get back and I, and I try to be as helpful as, I mean, I'm a natural caretaker like you know like whatever i can do to help i'll i will do no expectations no strings attached you know like if if i really believe if you want to help somebody out you do it out of the kindness of your heart and not expect anything so and then that brings me back to the next thing i am learning not to well i've learned a long time ago not to expect things from people because then or even yourself because you can you know you you especially in our culture we set you know we get told like, well, by this age, you have to do this. And by this age, you got to be married. You have to have a house and it's like that. But no, I feel like we need to break those generational curses and, and do what we got to do. And, and whatever makes us happy, you know. So that was my conversation with Eddie. His story is a reminder that determination is a big factor in whatever it is you want to pursue. And another important thing is maintaining relationships and friendships. When I met Eddie, I knew that he was at Kerok before my time when I worked there. 
but it was cool getting to hear his story of how he landed in radio and eventually made his way working on South Park. That is awesome. Thank you again to Eddie for being a guest on the podcast. If you haven't yet, please check out the Keep It Posy podcast playlist on Spotify. As always, you can hit me up via email or social media. Keepitposy.com for all the contact info. Thank you again to everyone for listening to another episode of the Keep It Posy podcast. Please take care of yourself and watch out for each other. Stay posy always. And remember, life is like a mosh pit. If you see someone fall, you gotta help that person get back up.